everybody. Thanks for coming to another episode of My Angular Story. Uh, I'm the host, Aaron Frost. And today, as our guest, the person we're going to get to know better is Philip Folger. Go ahead and uh, say hi, Phil. Hey, it's uh, great to be here. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So um, I, asked, I asked some of the hosts of uh, Adventures in Angular podcast to kind of, hey, find some people that you think are interesting and let's get them on the My Angular Story podcast so that we can kind of get to know some more, a wider set of people across the Angular community rather than just, you know, my friends. So Brian, Brian was like, hey, I got this guy, really interesting. His name is Phil. Yeah. Uh, why don't you get him on the show? And, and because I've worked with Brian, actually, you know, me and you have kind of bumped elbows a couple of times, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just, I guess, kind of explain for everybody listening who you are, like where are you at in the community? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, so uh, Brian, uh, Brian Love and I know each other through uh, Brebug. Um, and it kind of feels like everybody in the Angular community knows each other through Brebug. Um, like they, huh. they are, they're one of those great connectors, right? Like Jesse Sanders wants to know everybody and talk to everybody. And he is a really great guy and makes really great connections with everybody. Um, so my company, uh, that I work for, uh, it's called Hawk. We're, you know, pretty big. Uh, you've probably never heard of us, but we focus in like water quality, um, instrumentation and data. So we're, um, you know, we're everywhere in like drinking water plants and, and wastewater plants. Um, but you wouldn't hear about us much outside of that. So spelled H A C H, right? Yes. Hawk. Um, so Brian, um, Brian worked with us on a contract through Brebug and, you know, honestly, just like having Brebug as a contractor has been great for us. Um, you know, we've gotten to know so many different people in the community and, you know, just about everyone who's worked with me through Brebug has like said, Hey, you need to get, you need to get out in the community. You need to start like going to meetups. You need to start talking to folks. And, um, that's really started to happen this year. Um, you know, I, I think Brian had invited me down to the Rocky Mountain Angular meetup a couple times in Denver, and uh, and and Bonnie Brennan, who's working with them right now, you know, uh, finally got me to do a conference talk at uh, the Angular Denver this year. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really been great uh, getting to to come out and uh, you know share with the community some of the things that we're learning. Bonnie's one of the most like socially vibrant people in the community, right? Like she's. Mm-hmm. Just- you meet her and all of a sudden you have a new friend. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie's your friend. And now you also have her friends. So yeah, she yeah. starts like farming you out. And 
Um, I know at Angular Denver, she just had like a, like a, like a literal line of people like lined up in front of me trying to tell me how to solve this problem that she had seen. I was like, I don't know, Bonnie. And she's like, well, if you don't believe me, believe these like five people that I have in a line to convince you. And so that was a really cool conversation. That was like the best hallway track, uh, conversation I've ever had is just like this big group of people just kind of putting their heads together. Um, and, and that's been really cool to come out and, and get to see. That's my favorite part of conferences is the people you meet. I, mm-hmm. at, at first when I started going to conferences, it was like, these talks are pretty awesome. And I spent a lot of time like focusing on getting the exact talk. And then I can't remember why a couple of times I just missed a session. Mm-hmm. And then you're out in the hall and it's dead and you're like meeting the speakers and like the yeah. other people. And it's like, wow, this is, this is great. Or you yeah. sit in the lobby late at night. You know, it's 1 a.m. You're in the lobby and like Shy Resnick wants to just hang out with you or Ward Bell. You know? <laughs> and you're like, this is this is how you do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I know at, at Angular Denver, um, like uh, I was I, I happened to be leaving the speaker dinner at the same time as Joe Eames. And so like he and I walked back to the hotel together. Brian Love was there in the uh, in the hotel lobby. So we hung out with him for a little bit. And uh uh, John Rista, also from Rebug, was like in the mix. So it's just it's really really cool to just like get to to walk around and and talk to these folks. Angular Denver was probably like the first conference that I've been to where I got to have that hall, hallway track experience. Like I've been to NG Conf once and I've been to a couple of other smaller conferences, but um, it's really easy, especially when you're an introvert, to just like go and like camp out in a track and not talk to anyone and that's it's that's its own conference experience and I, I think it's one that a lot of people have but you're I, I I see now where you're missing out on a lot of the value like go out and go out and, and talk to folks that that's where that's where you're gonna make connections and that's where you're gonna solve your next problem like it, it's great to hear a session and you can learn a lot of great things but like later on when you need someone's eyeballs on this problem, um, like having that relationship with someone from a conference is where you're going to get that. Totally. So let me ask you a question. You gave your first talk this year. I sure did. You seem like a pretty good programmer and this, yeah, you just barely gave your first talk. So why don't you, I know there's a lot of people that are listening who are like you. They're smart. <clears throat> they're good developers. They, they, they make decisions that matter and affect the company and their teams. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're not big at getting out and sharing. So mm-hmm. can you, can you kind of explain what that was like to go through your first speaker process? Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky to get to work with Bonnie. You know, she's a, she's a, a very well accomplished um, speaker and, and, you know, and is at the majority of these angular conferences. And so, you know, especially getting to work with her, um, you know, we, we kind of set out and, you know, honestly, both of us, the, the, the way that we came to our topic, it was, you know, an introduction to Bazel. Um, and neither of us had actually used it before. Um, Bonnie was going to use the opportunity to learn it. And at our, at work, we're having um, really, really slow build times. And I'd kind of heard, you know, when, once you have like a large enough application, Bazel is, um, you know, a, a way to get some of those things down to have those those partial rebuilds um, instead of rebuilding your application every time you make a change. So I had wanted to learn about it. And so we both took this opportunity to learn. So there was a huge chunk of this that was just like, w- what a great excuse to like dig down into a topic and learn about it. 
Um, I definitely, I, I've definitely found like the, the best way of actually learning something is to teach it. And I think there's a lot of research that backs that up too on if you have to understand something well enough to be able to explain it to someone, you, you just fundamentally have a deeper understanding of it. Um, so, you know, we, we started out and we only had a 10 minute talk. And when she asked me to, to come on stage and I was like, okay, it's like two people giving one conference talk. That's 10 minutes. How much work could this possibly be? And it turns out it's a lot more work than I expected. Um, you know, I think we ended up producing enough content for like a 20 or 30 minute talk. And the last couple of weeks before the conference were spent just like cutting it down and cutting it down and cutting it down um, and going down, you know, um, I really want to get into this example, but it's too complex for 10 minutes. We've got to sort of like cut to the heart of it, um, you know, and to your point of like Bonnie knows everybody, you know, Bonnie also got our, you know, like our talk notes in front of I think Mishko from the core team and um, wow. someone else whose name I don't remember, unfortunately. But, you know, we got feedback from folks um, and, and we're able to um, to get that through. So I think the biggest thing was it was, you know, it was more work, but it was like really, really like fulfilling work. It was fun to, to get to learn the, the, you know, a brand new subject and figure out, you know, what are the important parts of this and, and what do other folks need to know and how could they get started, started with Basil? Um, so that was excellent. You know, we, we ended up practicing, uh, you know, Bonnie and I don't live in the same city. And so, you know, I don't think we got to, uh, like go through the talk with each other until we got there. And I noticed like that was not an uncommon, um, occurrence when folks were given conf uh, conference talks together. I, and I think, you know, what keeps people out of that and what kept me out of wanting to, to do that for a while was, you know, I don't, I don't know what other people don't know. Like, I don't know what is going to be beneficial to the community. And it turns out that if you've just like solved a really hard problem or you've learned something new, your voice is valuable and you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to know everything there is about the subject. I think, you know, a, a great experience that I had and, and, and just, you know, a good indication of, of where the Angular community is, um, is, you know, I got done with my talk and I did this like introduction to Basil and I sat down and some folks were asking me some questions. And a lot of times when you're just at a conference, you kind of assume, oh, this speaker knows everything about what they just talked about. Yeah, this about. speaker's the best. Yeah. Just, you know, they don't, they, they, they've known this forever and they're just like, picking out a piece so i but i sat down next to like mike brocky and and mike is like hey so i'm using basil right now and we're doing like x y and z have you done anything with that and i was like no no actually and it's like it's like as soon as i yeah. sat down i immediately realized oh no i'm not even the person who knows the most about basil in this room oh yeah um but we got to have like a really really great conversation and it became a like a reason for us to talk um, like when I was saying, like, I w you can go to a conference and not talk to people. It's really scary, but a great excuse to have people come up and talk to you is to be a speaker. Like they have a reason to come talk to you and it's not you trying to like strike up a conversation with a stranger. Um, so you can, you know, you can figure out what's, what's scarier, like talking to a stranger or being on stage. And I, I guess you can pick one of those two and you'll, you'll start to get conversations going at conferences. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I have as a goal for devchat.tv is to cover technologies that are up and coming, things that we're probably going to have to deal with on a more regular basis in the future. 
Some of these include AI, VR, and one of them is blockchain. So I reached out to one of the experts that I knew, Gregory McCubbin, and we pulled together a few other people and we've started a podcast called Adventures in Blockchain. So if you're looking at blockchain as something that you may want to work in, something that you're curious about learning more about, or something that you just want to keep current on until you have the opportunity to make a career jump and go over and work in blockchain and crypto, then definitely check out Adventures in Blockchain. You can find it at adventuresinblockchain.io. It is tough. Sometimes when you go give a talk, Mm -hmm. you're giving that intro to a topic talk, right? Yeah. And uh, so if you're, if you're long enough to, to, to pitch an intro talk mm-hmm. and then everyone assumes that you're the expert. That's brutal, right? Because <laughs> you're like, I just barely got up to the level to teach this. And uh-huh. then, but it's, it's good to that you said that because you don't have to know everything about the topic in order to get up mm-hmm. and talk about it, right? Yeah. If you, if you call your talk advanced basal builds, okay. Uh, the audience is going to expect something different and you right. better, you better get up. Just, you better become the expert like today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, you're, if your talk is getting started with basil. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different expectation for the listener, for the mm-hmm. presenter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, a couple of things you said, I, I wanted to ask a couple of questions just because yeah. I think people will have this question. A lot of people get confused. So you, didn't know basil before you submitted your talk no and i didn't even submit the talk like bonnie did that and then i kind of piggybacked with her you know she was she invited me in um to be able to do that with her um so yeah you you also don't have to even know very much at all to submit a conference talk on something yeah and that's not even about conference talks like that's meetup talks that's Mm -hmm. Even some even some intro blog posts, you can be largely. Um, mm-hmm. But the the important thing is that you can submit without knowing it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're if you're dedicated to learning it, cool. You don't have to know it today, but you are. If you get accepted, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to learn it. So you talked about then you know me and Bonnie we started working through our 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 content. Mm-hmm. I think another misconception is that you didn't work on your content until after you've been accepted. True. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't like submit this talk, you cross your fingers and start preparing it before you got accepted. Right. I think a lot of people expect that they need to have a lot of work into it just to submit the idea. And mm-hmm. I'm only asking because I want you to kind of explain how uncomplicated it was to get accepted and how little went into getting to that real crucial step, which is, mm-hmm. can I get accepted? Yeah. Um, you know, I had it easy cause, cause Bonnie is actually the one who got accepted. Like she had put this conference talk in like a couple of months, um, before I had even met her. And so like, I kind of got to get a, go along with that. So, you know, the easiest way to get accepted to a conference is definitely go find someone else who already has, um, and then, uh, and then ride their coattails. But I'll I'll tell you that what it's done for me is like unlocked like this whole thing of 
well, I can submit a conference proposal now. Like, I don't even need to know that much. I um, like I, I put in a conference proposal just the other day ago for uh, JF Conf Hawaii, and it's like that's a really big conference. But you know, what's the worst that can happen? Worst thing that can happen is they say no, and it's like okay, that that took me like an evening of putting together a, an abstract and a and a and a title. Um, you know, I'll also say that you know even as we like I said. W- when we were going through our content, not only did we not have it prepared before we submitted the talk, like it changed so many times. Like we, you know, we went back and forth on like, you know, what's the main gist of this? And especially giving a 10 minute talk, there's a lot of times where you thought, I think I can get through this in 10 minutes and you can't, um, you know, yeah. we, were, we were timing ourselves and coming in at like 15, 20 minutes and knowing that we were like way, way over and way over. Get shot. Oh, super duper and, over. And conference organizers, depending on the conference, usually aren't pumped when you go over because there's, there's usually a talk before you yep. and these end on time. So you can start on time. And then there's usually a talk after you. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's pretty lined up. Like you need to end and start, you need to start in on time. Right. Yeah. That was something that Bonnie, like, was like super serious about like you know our we we could completely bomb on the content of this presentation but as long as we end on time no one will be mad at us okay <laughs> like that's that that's the killer part is like start and end on time and yeah. everyone will be happier with you you can get feedback later on like what uh on 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 the content and things like that yeah. but end on time or you're going to like ruin someone's day that's so funny uh, that makes me laugh actually that, uh, the, that, I mean, it's true though. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you do need to be super clock aware, you know, mm-hmm. I've been at conferences that don't have a countdown timer. And so you're like, Whoa, mm-hmm. um, am I going to go over? I get really, really nervous. I'm going to go over. So I usually yeah. am like, Hey, I need you to time me. And when I got two minutes left, I need you to wave at me. Yeah. So, all right. So. So now you've, you've kind of gone through this with Bonnie, Bonnie, you know, largely she was kind of like the, the lead on this Mm -hmm. talk. Yeah. But now you're ready to go give talks. I am. Oh, cool. I actually, I, you know, I'm planning on putting something in for ng-conf this year. Um, that, that, uh, CFP just opened. So everybody get your, I don't know when this will release, but when we're recording, it just opened up a day or two ago. So everybody go get your proposals in. Yeah. But, yeah. And I think the, um, you know, what I'm seeing now is there's a lot of times where I am solving a difficult problem at work. And I just think, I bet someone else doesn't know how to solve this. And it would be helpful if I let them know like what my solution was. And it's not even that my solution is right, but just getting that solution. It's like a out, solution. It is a solution to a problem. But that's and, big. It's big. And, and what might even be more useful to the community is not, you know, this is the one solution that I went with. Here's the five solutions that I definitely didn't work. And, and let me tell you why you shouldn't go down that path. I think we, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're trying to figure out what to like, what to talk and what to bring to, you, you kind of get into this, this bias loop of like, oh, everybody already knows that. Or if I figured it out, then someone else has probably figured it out. And especially if you've been into Angular and Angular JS for a while, and you're seeing what's happening in the community and what folks are talking about, you might think, 
Uh, everybody already knows about that. But we have new developers coming into the community all the time, and you know they're hungry to hear some of this stuff that we might think is sort of old hat. Of, you know, I, I know that you, you know, while you were at Angular Denver, you did a, a, a great talk on RxJS and just how important that is. And that was something where it's like, you know, I've been doing Angular for, you know, the like more than two years now. And like RxJS is like our bread and butter. Like we don't have problems with that anymore. Yeah. We understand it fairly well, but it's so essential and it's so important that there's still a need out there for like, you know, intro to RxJS or like, why is RxJS important? And that's why we, you know, you kind of see that kind of talk happen every year because someone new needs to hear that and they need to, and and, and sometimes it's like, you, you can go back to old ng comps and, and like pick up on on the YouTube recordings of that thing. But sometimes we figured out like newer, better ways of doing things. And it's still like fairly, you know, beginner level stuff, but someone needs to hear it. And you might be able to explain it in a way that they've never heard before. And so just the fact that you're a new, different person saying it could be like what unlocks it for someone else. Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned uh, through just being in the community and being active in it Mm -hmm. is, and sometimes when you get involved in like community leading, you start to see trends. Uh, The the trends, we get a little more clear than they are. If you're just like, you're just, you know, you're just cruising on Twitter, but not really doing much. Mm -hmm. The trends, you still pick up trends by cruising Twitter, but when you're giving talks and going to conferences and presenting at meetups and going to meetups and, writing blogs and reading blogs and answering Stack Overflow questions and asking Stack Overflow questions and, you know, doing video courses, whatever you're doing. Yeah. You start to see the trends a little bit more and the trends, it's really important as a developer to see the trends because if you like, like here, I'll give an example of a trend. Mm-hmm. When Angular was new, Angular 2 had been released. Everyone did these tutorials on how to learn Angular and, you'd do an HTTP call and then you'd, everyone was like, um, no one really knew, even the teachers knew RxJS. So they're like, right. So do this call and then do dot two promise. And like, you just turned everything back into a promise, you know? Yep. And largely everyone did that. Like every tutorial, there wasn't one that did it really. And then people started changing and they're like, no, we need to focus more on Rx. Mm-hmm. And so like, and so like, and now Rx is, the quintessential skill for Angular programmers, right? Oh, absolutely. So if you're not watching, you don't notice. And so you still write things the wrong way or the old way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it is important to evolve with it, with the technology that Mm -hmm. you don't have to be ahead of the curve. No, You you don't have to be ahead of it, but you do need to be with, you know, the community. Yeah, you know, um, when I learned Angular, um, you know, I was lucky enough for my company actually sent me to a workshop um, run. Uh, it, it was John Papa and, and Joe Eames and Dan Walleen. Um, it was a really, really great course. And this was uh, this was probably in like 2017. Um, I think Angular 4 uh, released in the middle of our workshop. But even at that, you know, really, really high level thinkers, you know, uh, big names in the community, you know, they, they, I hope they don't get mad, but they did tell me at that point, like, 
uh, this async pipe thing, I don't know. It's kind of hard to debug. I don't know if you should be using it. And, you know, they were transforming all of their observables to promises as well. And then, you know, I know in my own learning, like I did that for a little bit. And then I thought, well, let me give this RxJS a try. And what it turned into was, you know, I just subscribed to things instead of using a then like you would have on a promise. And like, that was kind of where my understanding of it ended. Um, uh, and then it was like, wait, I think I need, I can use like a pipe here and like maybe map something out. And, oh, I actually need to combine these two observable streams. And like that sort of unlocked the power for me of RxJS. And that it, that's something that's happened in the community. And if you didn't see it like last year or a year or two ago, you're just like you're 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 running a little behind, and and especially when you're in some sort of leadership position, I think you've kind of got your got to have your eye out on like what's next. What do I need to be building towards right now? Uh, you know, probably the next big thing in our community is you know every, everybody's pointing to to Ivy and and what the changes are going to be like after that. Um, and I think you've really got to have your eye on that kind of stuff to be prepared for it, or you're going to get caught flat footed. And it's not that you can't learn it as you go, but you're going to make yourself successful and you're going to make your team so much more successful. If you can see that kind of stuff coming. Totally. That's, that's, it's a hundred percent true. Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. You know, one of the questions that pretty much everyone uh, I've consulted with asks is, how do you stay current? And I'm like, I don't even really try that hard. Like, <laughs> I I go to meetups. I follow people on Twitter. Mm -hmm. If they say something's important, I'll, I'll click on it and read it. You know, yeah. Um, I I'll give a talk like you about things maybe I don't always understand, or maybe sometimes I really understand them. I'll give that advanced talk. Mm -hmm. But oh, it's it, it is it is ironic. It is weird to me sometimes to go into a a team where there are senior engineers and principals mm -hmm. and say, Hey, where do you guys stay up to date? And they're like the documentation. I'm like, that, yeah. that's not a real answer. Um, so yeah. it's, it is ironic. The amount of developers who, I don't know. And I'm not trying to shame cause we're all different, but they, right. they don't actively engage in uh, cruising, you know, the latest stuff in what they're doing. So it's mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a good team almost needs like a mix of those sorts of people. Like I, you know, some of, uh, some of my, my favorite colleagues are those are, are the, are the, the people who, you know, they, they come in and they work 40 hours and then they leave and they're pretty happy with that. But in those 40 hours, they're going to knock out code. And, you know, if I suggest a new way of doing things, they'll do it. And, you know, you, you know, as a lead, like I'm kind of out in front, like trying to, to watch the trends and talk about, you know, well, you know, this might be a good solution to this problem. And, you know, I think I have a lot of folks who kind of follow behind that and, you know, trust me to, to sort of make those decisions. They're learning their own things, but we don't, you know, that combination of I'm really good at learning and like seeing these trends, but the truth is I'm not that fast of a developer. Like I, I'm not 
like I sit down and especially now that I'm in a more leadership role, like I don't actually sit down at the keyboard as often as I used to. And so if you were to give me something to code, like I'm not going to do it as fast as some of these guys who just can like come in and just like knock it out. And I I think that's what I look for in a team is like, there's gotta be like, not everybody can try to be a leader all at the same time. Um, I think people have to take responsibility for their particular domains, but if you have everybody coming in and trying to say like, you know, I saw this blog post and I saw this other thing on Twitter and this is the way we should be doing it. Like it, it's going to be, it, it's going to be like herding cats trying to get everybody aligned. And so I still really appreciate the folks like who aren't at meetups or, or who aren't, um, you know, following things on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, they can go get good at, at really, you know, just like day-to-day work of just getting in and knocking out the code. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly would encourage more than half the developers though to stay current. It's, it's almost like, um, when a farmer vaccinates the cattle, Uh they don't have to vaccinate all of them. They just have to vaccinate most of them. And then usually, usually they'll be fine. And, if you have a team of, let's say you have 50 developers, if most of them are current and, and helping bring mm-hmm. the patterns in and, yeah. and uh, vocalize trends and um, learnings from the community, mm-hmm. then the team should be good. But yeah. if, you have a, if you have a team where no one's doing that, that's where it's like, oh, sure. we got to get yeah. into a bit more uh, where we have some more general people like generally we're we're more up to speed you mm-hmm. know we can't put it all on one or two people so right yeah and i think um yeah you know i absolutely agree and i, I think you know for different team members need to be good at different things uh, um you know especially like you know as we talk about like what do you how do we see conference speakers and what stops us from going to conferences like we really look at these speakers and think oh man they know everything like they're the, they're the world's greatest angular developer. And I think too often, like we get other developers who start to think I've got to stay up on everything. Like I've got to know the latest TypeScript and RxJS and NGRx, and I've got to know the latest on all of those. And I don't think that's true. Like, I think you can develop those skills within your team and all lean on each other to be able to pick up on those things. Um, you know, not everyone has to be an expert at everything for your team to be very successful. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, and I think like, you know, what you were saying, like, you know, in terms of like how I keep current, it's very much like that where, you know, I follow a bunch of people on Twitter who all talk about angular and I'll just like pay attention. Like if five different people are retweeting the same article, like that's probably a pretty good article. I should probably go see what it is. Or if you can like start to see things like pick up over time, like I'm maybe a little behind the wave on GraphQL becoming extremely popular uh, on the back end and, and how to incorporate that into Angular. So, you know, that's something I'm trying to go back and, and sort of catch up on because it, it keeps coming up over and over again. You know, you'll see some things that are like this article was really popular for a week and then nobody talked about it again. Um, but there, there's there's certain sort of evergreen stuff that keeps coming back. And, and that's the stuff that you've really got to focus in on and and pay attention and it's you know i would already be on twitter checking like what other twitter users have to say which is often 
not very much or not very kind, but, but every now and then there's angular stuff in there and it's good. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. So we're kind of bumping up on time. So, um, I'm going to move to a segment of the show called picks. Have you ever listened to the podcast and seen that yep. we kind of, we kind of pick something in? All right. I got my picks ready to go. All right. So I'm going to do a pick. Uh, the pick is being nice on Stack Overflow. People who are nice on Stack Overflow. Um, oh. <laughs> Stack Overflow has got, got a lot of weird stuff going on mm-hmm. sometimes. And um, like a week or so ago, something happened and I tweeted about it. And then my, my Stack Overflow kind of took off because I was getting, people were joking with me on Stack Overflow anonymously. And I was laughing about it. But it kind of got me back in, and I I started answering a couple questions, and and uh, I was on there, and there was this developer who was obviously new based on the question they were asking, mm-hmm. and they had some code, and they couldn't tell why it wasn't working. It was, they simply weren't calling the function they had written, so they had ah, a function okay. that they weren't calling, and so by the time I saw the question, other Stack Overflowers had closed it and mm-hmm. said that you know, it didn't have a desired outcome specified. And I was like, yeah, that's like the code's working. He just isn't calling it. Like, what do you do anyway? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, what, just tell him to call the function already. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I just was so frustrated that people are just like so unforgiving to the, to the newest of developers. Right. Like the people with the most important questions, like the ones who are most needy of the answer these are the ones we're going to be the most stringent with. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I guess I'll just say being nice to people, especially the mm-hmm. newer people on Stack Overflow. So that's my pick. People who are nice to them. Awesome. Um, so my pick uh, will be, so I actually want to talk about a couple of things and, and it's, I, I'm going with non-technical picks because I'm so excited, but I very, very often just like find myself just like picking up new hobbies or interests just because it's something that I can learn about and someone is willing to teach me. And so like the cool new thing that I I'm super into now on the weekends is watching Formula One racing. And it's only because there's a documentary on Netflix called Drive to Survive. Everybody should check it out. It's really, really good. Um, It follows a a Formula One season through 2018, Um, teaches you a little bit about like the rules and how it works. And then there's another podcast called Shift F1, um, and they uh, they have like a primer episode at the beginning of every season that'll talk to you about like what are the rule changes this year, like how do the cars work, um, who are the drivers that you should be watching. And Formula One is like so small; it's like 20 drivers on 10 teams. Like it's not like the NBA or the NFL. Like you could know everything there is to know about every single one of these drivers every season. I think it's really cool. And I think it's really cool to learn about this sort of stuff, you know, kind of like what we're talking about with conferences of it's like so many people assume that so many people know things about like certain sports that no one ever bothers to explain them again. Um, And formula one doesn't have that luxury because it's so much smaller, um, you know, in, especially in America compared to other sports. And so getting an opportunity, for someone to like sit down and assume that I've never watched this boy what I wouldn't give for someone to actually explain to me how to watch a basketball game I love basketball like I grew up in North Carolina college basketball is like you know life to us but 
I, I can't actually tell you what certain things in basketball are. I'm just like happy when my team scores and, and the other team doesn't, but with like someone actually sitting down and like showing you like, okay, here's the rules. And like, here's why the car does this or why the driver wants to do this. Like it's invaluable. And I, I just love learning about new stuff. It's, it's a really cool little niche thing and it's really low commitment. And, you know, when you're spending so much time, you know, learning about how to be better at your job, how to be a better developer, like trying to get out in the community, it's nice to sort of sit down and like, I want to learn, but like really low stakes learning right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so did you have a, did you have, was that your only pick or did you, I thought you should have two or was that, was that it? it the Netflix documentary and uh, uh, Drive to the Survive. Uh, there should F1. be a second season uh, coming up next year. And then the okay. podcast, uh, Shift F1. Those are my okay. picks. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, if they have any questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can hit me on Twitter. Uh, that is uh, Philip, uh, at Philip J. Fulcher. Um, and... Uh, I have a lot of, of diverse content in my Twitter feed. I'll say um, it's not just going to be angular stuff. So get ready. Okay, cool. Um, well, cool. So if anyone wants to reach out to him, Philip J. Fulcher on Twitter. Um, yep. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing, talking about you, teaching us about, you know, submitting to be a conference speaker. Yeah. Um, so thanks for coming on, being a guest. And then to the listeners, I will say, Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thanks. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.